All right. All right, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We adore you, God. We lift your name high, Father, because of who you are, Lord. We thank you, Jehovah God, because you've given us such promises, Lord. And as we sang today, God, that one day we're going to see your face, oh Lord. We'll be able to stand before you, God, as we continue to live the rest of our life with you, God. And Jehovah God, that's what we, that's what we drive to. That's what we, we strive to get to, Lord. That Jehovah God, all these noise and distractions around us, oh Lord, they are, they're just keeping us from you, Lord. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you, you will give us the, the, the power, Lord, to overcome. The power to draw near to you, God. The power to overcome whatever is in around us, oh God. Whatever is shaking around us. Whatever, whatever is coming against us, God. We pray that you give us the power to overcome, Lord. And tonight, Jehovah God, we come here, Lord, to dig deeper, Lord. To hear what you have for us, oh God. As you prepare us, as you prepare your church, oh God. We pray, Father, that we'll be attentive, Father. That Jehovah God, as the word goes forth, King of glory, God, is not just another feel-good message, Lord, but it's a message, Father, from you, Lord, that speaks to your people, myself included, God. A message, Jehovah God, that will sustain us, that will, that will continue to feed us, oh God, and give us that extra strength and extra step that we need, Father, to come to you, Lord. God, open our hearts, oh God. Open our minds, O King of glory, to hear from you, Lord. And Jehovah God, thank you, Father, for using me. Move me out of the way, Lord, and, and speak to your people, Lord, myself included. We praise you and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we are continuing with the book of Hebrews uh, 7, and today we are going in 11, verse 11 to 25. So let's go. If, so if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could not be achieved could not could not have achieved the perfection God intended. Why did God need to establish a different priesthood, which is the priest in the order of Melchizedek, instead of the order of Levites and Aaron? And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to, to permit it. For the priest we for the priest we are talking about belonging to a different tribe whose member has never served in the altar as priest. What I mean is our Lord came from the tribe of Judah. And Moses never mentioned priests coming from, the, from that tribe. This change has been made very clear since a different priest, who is, like, who is like Melchizedek, has appeared. Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, by the power of life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist points this out when he prophesied, You are the priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law, for the law, uh, for the law never made anything perfect. But now we have a confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. Um, this system, this new system, was established a solemn oath. Aaron descendant became priest without such an oath, but there was an oath regarding Jesus for him for. For, for God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break this vow. You are the priest forever. Because of the oath, Jesus, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant. There are many priests under the old system for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, the priest lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come from God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God, with God on their behalf. So there is a lot on there. Um, if we really did 
go into every part of it. It would take probably a month or two just to go through that. And so there's just a couple. I'm going to highlight what this verse is talking about. And then we'll pick, from there we'll pick up two or three things. But my encouragement for you guys is go and read that. Go and read the whole chapter and see what they are talking about. So what, what does these, the verses that we read, they mean? So the writer of Hebrews start with a question. Is, is there, uh, if there was an orderly way of priesthood that was established by God, the priest should have only come from the order of Levi and Aaron. Why would God establish another order of priesthood? So in the olden days, the Levites and Aaron was the only people who could be priests. But then the writer is saying, hey, how come we have Jesus who's going to be the, the high priest, but he doesn't come from that, from that group, right? So it's a valid question, right? Jesus could not come from that priest, from, from, could not be that priest according to the Mosaic law because he was from the tribe of Judah. So again, it's from Levi and Aaron, but then he's coming from Judah. So really, why, why are we changing this? And, and as we read this and as we go through this verse, ask, your, ask yourself those questions like, God has established one thing, but then there's something else coming in. So what's, what's going on with that? Hopefully we can answer that. So the answer, actually, it's in there in Hebrews 7:16. Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to a tribe of Levi, but the power of all the life that cannot be destroyed. Because what happened is before is there will, be, there will be priests, but then those priests, what would happen to them? They will get old and die, right? There will be other priests. Remember, in order for you to go to Christ, you really had to go through the priest, and they will have to go to Christ. Now think about it. If a priest is not in their right mind or doing the right things, and you have to go to them and they have to go to God, really, how does that work? Is that really pure? They have to cleanse, we have to wait for them to cleanse themselves. And then once they cleanse themselves, then you can go to them and then they can intercede for God. They can sit for you. Can you think about if that's exactly what happened today? That would be difficult, right? Makes you like love Jesus and appreciate what we do, that we can, we can just come here and talk to Jesus directly, right? If perfection could come through Levitical priesthood, there would be no need for another priest. But then it would not justify the sinner before God. The law, does not, the law does a great job of setting God's perfect standard, but it does not give the power to keep that standard. What that means is the law can tell you what to do, but it doesn't give you the power to do that. Same thing as you guys when you're driving down the road, it says 65. But guess what? Nobody can enforce you to do that because in your heart, you have to be convinced that you are doing the right thing or it's a sin, then you can drive 65. I don't always do that. I'm just saying, right? <laughs> but just because the law is there doesn't mean that you're going to follow it. There has to be something greater than the law. And that was the problem with the priesthood. And this law is because people followed all these methodical ways of doing stuff, but then their hearts were far from what they were doing. It's kind of like Pastor Matt talked about that on Sunday. Right? It's just not the, the outside, but the deeper part that, that, needed, that Jesus was concerned about, that God was concerned about. See, it didn't allow man to walk with God. God was only reachable through a priest. You wouldn't have that relationship with God, the relationship you have today. You would not have that relationship. You have to go through an intermediary. Right? The old law shows us God's standard. The new law draws us closer to God. Right? Let me say that again. The old law shows us the standards of God. This is what God wants. This is what God wants. But the new law draws us closer to God because we have a, we have a relationship. There's a guy who says, although uh, the law performs a valuable function, its, essentially, its essential weakness was it that it, is that it could not give life and vitality even to those who kept it. 
let alone those who did not. In fact, its function was not to provide strength, but to provide a standard by which men could measure their own moral statue. Its uselessness must not be regarded in the sense of being totally worthless, but in the sense that being ineffective in providing constant means of approaching God to people based on their total inadequate sacrifice. So what he's saying is the law became this thing that I measure myself with. Guess what? Yeah, I don't, I sin, but my sins are not bigger than your sins. Well, guess what? I did five of the laws and I did really well, but you only did two, so I'm better than you. But Christ comes in and he says, no, if you've sinned, if you've thought about sinning, you have already sinned. So then the, the purity of God ha- comes into effect because God is not going to say, hey, you've done one, one sin. Oh, the other person has done five. They're better than you. You're, you know, you're, you're better than them. The law provides expert diagnosis to our sin problem, which is absolutely necessary. But the law does not provide a cure for our sin problem. Only Jesus can save us from our sin problem. Right? Because it just says, yes, you are a sinner. Come, do this thing. But it doesn't really work in your heart. It doesn't tell you what are the things that you need to do. So then you don't repeat those sins. So you don't continue to do those sins. So you can now walk away from sin and then you can start looking for righteousness. Right? New Covenant is based on what Jesus did and not what we do, yeah. even though we have a part to play. Yeah. Our, way to establish where, our way was established where we didn't have to go through a priest and we could go directly to Christ. In order for us to understand that, we have to go back and look at our nature. And so that's exactly what we're going to be look, doing today. So my first point is this. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about death and we don't talk enough about death and hell. Revelation 21.8 says, All who are victorious will inherit all the blessing, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelieving, the corrupt, murderer, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worship, and all liars, their fate in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I feel like in the church, not even just in the church, in the whole, in the whole world right now, we talk about how my life can be better. How you should have a good family. How all these things should be good. But really, why do we need to be good? Remember, we're going to be asking questions today. All right? Why do we need to be good, right? The good is not that you're going to get a trophy at the end. The thing is, if you do not change your life, if you don't change your marriage, if you don't change your relationship, if you don't do the things that God has asked you to, you're going to be separated for eternity with Christ. But see, the thing is, we don't want to talk about this thing that ends. The last thing, we want to talk about these little things. And we are so concentrating on the things that get us there instead of really focusing on the end goal. So then that way, we know why we are doing what we are doing. There are so many Christians that they do good things. They do a lot of good things. But why are we doing good things? Because so we cannot be separated from God forever. Revelation 20, 13, 15, it says, The sea gave up the dead, the, the dead and uh, the sea gave up its dead. Death and grave gave up their dead. All were, all were judged according to their deeds. Then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown in the lake of fire. Judgment is coming. But we don't talk about that much. Judgment is coming. And guess what? 
It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how many times you read your Bible. It doesn't matter how, much, how many times you fast. It doesn't matter all those things. If your heart is not right in the standard of God, not the standard of man, yeah. you will be judged when judgment comes. Yeah. We just sang and sings, one day we're going to see your face, right? Yeah. See, our ultimate goal here at church, and Pastor Matt and Pastor Chris who can agree with me, is to make sure that you finish your race well. That's the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is, yes, we want you guys to have good marriages. Yes, we want you guys to have friends. Yes, we want you guys to have good, good life. We want to do those. But if all those things are good and then you lose your life, then it's a waste. Really, it's a waste. Think about it. I think about my kids and, and my wife, and I'm like, I can be the best. I can stand here and tell you guys about Christ. I can meet with you guys. I can hang out with you guys. I can do all these amazing things. But if I'm standing before God, and I'm walking down, and I'm going to Christ, and I look on the other side, and my, wife's are, my wife and kids are not there, did I really win? Right? But yet, we've become so comfortable with ourselves, the way we are, that we don't worry about, that we are so worried about these things and how we look and the image that we carve. That we forget the whole goal is we're going to be separated from God forever. See, being a good Christian doesn't keep you away from hell. See, we see in the Old Testament, you guys have read the Old Testament, I hope, right? And in the Old Testament, priests would start very well. Oh my goodness, I remember I'll be reading and it's like the first time I read it, I was like, oh my goodness, this priest is doing well. He served God, he did well. Just about when he's about to die and then that one, he just falls away. Then you start up, another priest comes in and he's serving God and he's doing really well. But then towards the end, he's done. See, that's my, to me, when I think about my Christian work, that's what the thing that I want to keep holy. Like, what I'm doing right now, I want to continue doing that for at whatever cost. So when I stand before God, I'm not going to be like, Mugi used to do really well, not anymore. But we have to allow God to search our heart. We have to allow God to go in our heart and reveal those things that are stopping us. And, and we move out this facade that we've put in to show people that I'm doing well. And just realize that before, you're going to stand up before God all by yourself. We don't talk about hell and death long enough, people. We need to do that so we can realize that our lives are in danger. See, nowadays people talk about church's love. We need to love people. But let me tell you about the love that Christ is talking about. The love that Christ is talking about is that I tell you or you tell your friend or you tell me that, hey, I love you so much that whatever you're doing is going to lead you to hell. But we are not seeing that love anymore. We are saying, don't worry, I'll love you in your own sin. At some point, you're going to get a revelation. Right. Really? That doesn't work. Right? I'm going to continue doing this bad behavior, and hopefully someday I'll get a revelation. It doesn't work the same way. Yeah, we are comfortable loving other people exactly where they are. And this convicts me too, because there are some times I see people, and we are talking, and I'm like, man, if you only knew Jesus, but I'm like, I'm going to give you a chance here in a couple of weeks when I have more bored, and hopefully I can talk to you. But if I really, really love them and I know that they're going to be separated from God, they're going to hell. Would I really still have the same mentality? See, folks, you have to realize this. All this political, social, and everything that's changing or lack of, all these things that you feel like they're making you miserable, all those things... The whole goal is to lead you to hell. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, honestly. Yeah. 
they are, they are distraction because guess what? If you're distracted by all those things, if you're distracted with who's going to be president or what they're going to do, if you're going to be distracted what the right or left is going to be doing, guess what? The devil is happy because today, right now, yeah. mark my word, right now today, if, a, if the devil had an opportunity to hit you and give you one knockout and take you to hell, he'll do that. But what he does is because he knows he doesn't have power over life and death. Guess what? He's going to pull you to those things constantly. But guess what? At the end, that's the goal. Here, everybody's watching over here while he's doing what he needs to do on this side. We need to be aware of that. We need to be so aware. And especially this time. Time is so short. Your life is at stake. Let's paint the real picture. Hell is real, people. And guess what? God would not sacrifice his own son just to give you a better life. Seriously. Christ would not really go on the cross so then that way your marriage is good or your family is good. The only reason at the core of it is Christ went to the cross so then that way you can have a relationship with Christ and you can stay away from hell. My second point. Are you guys okay? Okay. We don't talk about Jesus enough. We don't talk about Jesus suffering enough. John 19, 1-3 says, Then Pilate had Jesus frogged with lead tips, whips. Those are metal tips at the end of a whip. The soldiers wore a crown on the, th- uh, the soldiers wove a crown of thorn and put it on his head. And they put a purple robe on him. Hail the king of the Jews, they mocked him. As they slapped him across the face. Isaiah 53, 7, 11 says, He was oppressed and treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. As a sheep, as a sheep is silent before the shear. He did not open his mouth and justly condemned. He was led away. No one cared what he died with, no one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in midstream. But he was stuck down for, for, for the rebellious of my people. He had done no wrong. He had not, never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was, Lord, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life was, was made an offering of sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life and the, Lord, the Lord's good plan will be satisfied. And because of his experience... My righteous servants will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. Think about that. He was led as a lamb to be. He knew that that was happening. God allowed it to happen. Really, if it wasn't, because my point is, as I read this and I, and I read this and I looked at, why did they have to change the priesthood? God could have just changed the priest. He could have just changed the priest, given them a different different role. But God took it so seriously that the only sacrifice to make sure that you and I don't end up to hell, the sacrifice that he can make sure that we have an eternal life together, that we live with God, he had to have his son killed for our, for our, for our sins. All this to keep us in a relationship with God. And when you think about that, all this that Jesus had to, had to, to endure to keep us in a relationship with God. Yes, yet when we are coming before God, we make it all about these other things. 
We make it about our lives. Uh, and those things are important because God has given us a good life. But how much of the things that you're doing are you making it about the fact that Jesus came, God said, here son, you can go and get killed so I can have a relationship with you. See, what I love about these verses, Jesus intercedes for us. That's love. Forget the love that you get in the world. So, let me get this right because I like to think about this. So, Dad sends me. I'm, I'm not Jesus, but I'm taking position here for a minute, okay? To illustrate a point. I'm not Jesus. I'm Kevin Mogi. Okay. <laughs> God, God sends me as a son. I go through this brutal, brutal, brutal treatment to a point where I'm hung on the cross, I'm mocked, I'm beat up, and all these things. So then they human beings can be saved. And then I go to heaven, and now I have to intercede for these people who are not listening. I have to intercede for you, even though I died for you. Come on now. Yet we want to live our lives like it doesn't matter, like Jesus did not pay the price for us. What else do we want, really, seriously? If that doesn't cause you to change your life, doesn't cause you to think different, doesn't cause you to take your attention and put it somewhere else, what else can change? Because I'm sure if I went through that, I'll be like, I'm done. I wouldn't die. I wouldn't intercede for you. I'll be like, Father, look, I died for them. But you know what? They continue to do that. That's what they have chosen. But the Bible says that Jesus intercedes for us. He intercedes for us. And guess what? He's a priest forever. So he will continually intercede for us. Even to the point that until we die or when he comes back. That is who that talk about love. The next, somebody tell, the next time somebody tells you that, they don't, that you are not showing love, you should show them how Jesus loves us. Yeah. See, much is given, much is required. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to say that, that phrase that much is given, much is required. You have been given much. I have been given much. That is a sacrifice and is much. And the Bible says that people are going to come before and say, Lord, I prophesied, I did all these things, and say, depart from me, for I didn't know you, because God is going to remember how much he's given you, and then compare to how much you're giving him. And you don't even need to do it yourself. He says, receive me, put me in your heart. Receive the Holy Spirit, who's going to be a comforter, your helper. But we don't have time for that. Number three. Let's talk about frogs. <laughs> okay. Are you guys with me? Yeah. So, you guys want some the title today, Metamorphosis. You guys know what Metamorphosis is? We're going to learn some science. Let's go. Okay. So, a frog goes in four stages. Goes through uh, the egg, tadpole, froglet, and frog. And I was looking up through the dictionary, so then it's not just what I learned in Kenya in science. Make sure that it's right, okay? (laughs) (laughs) The process of transformation, what is metamorphosis? Is the process of transformation from an immature immature form to an adult form. A change of the form of nature, a change of the the uh, form of all nature of a thing or person 
into a completely different one by nature, by nature or supernatural means. So I was looking through the process, eggs are eggs, but then there is an interesting part of that where is the tadpole. The tadpole is an amphibian. Do you guys know what amphibian is? Yeah. An, an amphibian can live in water and can live in land, right? Yeah. And guess what? The amphibian, their body temperature changes with the environment. So they go to a hot place, they become hot. They go to a cold place, they become cold, right? And so as I was reading this, I wondered, is it really bad to be a tadpole? Really not. If you're growing, it's, it's really good, right? Right? It's not a trick question. <laughs> if you are growing, there's nothing because it's a process that you have to do it, right? But the issue comes in as we as Christians, where we are supposed to go to a different stage, that we get stuck in this place where we become a tadpole for a long time. That we want to double on the land and we want to double on the water. That we want to do different things. We don't want to do the right thing. We want to keep doing the same thing. And what I love mostly about the amphibian is, is it's very evident when they, when they grow. The process of it, you definitely, like if you, if you, if you, I don't like frogs just for the records. You know, it's not, it's just for illustration only. Don't bring me a frog. Don't send me a picture of a frog. I want nothing to do with frogs, right? But this is the point though. If you took a eggs, frog eggs and you watch them, they will transform. They will go from egg to tadpole to a small frog to a big frog, right? It is so evident and it's so quick, right? Maybe, okay. So let me teach you. So when you take, right, an egg and you put it somewhere, then it becomes a tadpole, then it becomes a small frog and it becomes a big frog, right? And so you can see that transformation story by story. And I was likening that to a Christian walk where we come to Christ and we, the, the Bible says that a seed is planted and it, it grows and it bears fruit, right? But the problem with a seed, not a problem, but in our human nature, in our own eyes, when you look at a seed, a seed takes a long time for it to grow, yeah. right? But when it comes to the frog, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't remember to look at the time frame, but the process comes in and you can see it growing step by step. So if you are a Christian and you are saying you are growing and you grow and you get to that point, then you become a tadpole, then you move from there, you become a big frog. You're supposed to stay a big frog because you no longer have milk, you're going to continue having steak, like Bible says, right? What if, and think about this, because this is very important. What if every time we come before, as here as, as members and Christians, what if this week on Sunday, I am a frog and I look really good as a frog because you guys have seen me grow, right? But then I go back to Monday and Tuesday and I go back to being a tadpole. What would that look in your life, right? Because this is what happened. The enemy wants us to come out here. I'm talking about us now. The enemy wants us to come here and show people that, hey, guess what? Yes, I received Christ. I grew. I became, a, I became a tadpole. I became a frog. And I am like this throughout the week. But then we go out during the week and we go back to being doubling between Christ and the rest of the staff. And guess what? God is not going to bless that. God is not going to bless that. And it's so interesting because we were talking with my kids the other day and it says, the metamorphosis is very, very evident because there is fruit for it, yeah. right? Yeah. But what happens if you go back? And that again is nature, yeah. right? Yeah. 
one of the funny things we said, and it might be funny to you, but it was funny to us. It's like when you see a Christian who um, who's trying to grow, but then they keep going back to their sinful nature, you should look at them and say, you amphibian, you. You need to metamorphosis right now because you cannot keep being a turtle, right? So what am I talking about? I'm praying that we can be like frogs. We can change and become that and stay in that state. Because what I see right now, and think about it, we are talking about why Christ came to, came, came to, came to this world. What I see now is we want to come and show people that we are doing well. We hide our marriage problems. We hide our addictions very well. We carry unforgiveness and bitterness. We are involved in very ungodly behaviors when people are not seeing us. We are drowning in our financial weight because of the choices we make. We conceal it very, very well. When we come out here, people are saying, hey, he's a frog and he's good and he does not need help. Yet when we go back, we go back to those infant stages. Guess what? Jesus did not come to bless the tadpole. He came so he can bless the real person. Jesus did not come to save you who is doubling back and forth. He came so that he can save you as who you are. Here's the truth. If, 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 if this is what God wanted, then the priesthood have continued. But God is done with the temporary. God is done with the fake narratives. God is done with us being fake. And honestly, the, the, the thing is, moving forward in the season we are going, you better be real. Because yeah. you will not overcome. Yeah. It doesn't matter what happened. If you don't take care of these things that we are talking about that are holding you back, you will not overcome. Right. Folks, we are already in a battle. And if we do not allow Christ to go into our hearts and not worry about what people are thinking or how we look before people and what people are going to say, guess what? We're going to miss it and it's not going to be good for you. How about we thought about it? How about if we thought of it as sin every single day? That those little things that we are doing, we were talking to uh, um, Mariah Narog. You guys know her? And she recently had a big change in life. She, she, she lost, I think, about like 80, 84 pounds. And that's really good. A lot of people do all those things. But as we talk, I talked to her, even now I was talking to her, she said something that was very, very critical. She said, I woke up one day and I started looking at the way I was treating my body as a sin. And my life changed. I woke up one day and I started looking at my body, whatever I was doing to it, as a sin. And that change. What if whatever is holding you back, you looked at it as a sin? What if your marriage, the the compromise that you don't want to do, what if you looked at it as a sin? Stop looking like your spouse is doing A, B, C, D. How about you look at it as a sin? What if you look at your addiction as a sin that is going to take you to hell? What if you looked at your unforgiveness and bitterness and realized that this thing was a sin and is the only thing that is holding you from being with God forever? What if you looked at the behavior you are doing, the ungodly behaviors you are doing, and said, you know what, this is a sin and I'm not going to hold it. Because guess what? Time is short and Christ is coming back. And he, you will not make it to heaven. You will not. Is it worth it? Really, is it worth it? 
Is it worth you holding on to that thing? That bitterness? Those behavior, that addiction? Is it worth you holding on to it tonight? Really, is it worthy? Is it worthy to your life? Because if it is, then yeah, continue. And then you're going to live in misery for the rest of your life. But if it's not worth it, then you need to quit and tell Christ to take care of it. Because he can and he's done that a lot. You know, I, I, one of my, my really Christian good friend and my spiritual brother is Richard, Richard, Richard Davis. I see you. And Richard blesses my life because for some reason, God allowed me to see Richard when he first started coming to faith and victory. I remember, and we've talked this with Richard. Richard would sit at the back there. On, that, on the right there, there were some chairs. And he would sit there and literally, he would just sit there and he would be rocking back and forth. And honestly, in my mind, I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't even going to talk to that guy at all. <laughs> I was scared of him. I was literally scared of him. But for some reason, God continued telling me, go talk to him, go talk to him. And I would be like, Richard, how are you doing? And he was like, I'm all right. Literally, that's what he said. And we've talked about this. Richard, how are you? I'm all right. And then next week, I'll be like, Lord, really? Do I really have to go talk to him? (laughs) And I'll continue. And I did that. And over time, and I'm not saying he's perfect. Over time, Richard went from this person who really was struggling to a person who's standing here and leading you guys to worship. So you cannot tell me. So you can't really tell me that God does not work. You can't tell me that God does not change people, but you have to submit yourself. Half the time we've talked with Richard, he's like, man, I'm struggling with this. And he's like, I'm giving it to God. And the man has been pressing, impressing, impressing him. He's not there, but the thing is, he is a proof that Christ can do something in our life. So what's your excuse? What is your excuse? Like I said, you will not endure the next season. A shaking has begun. And if there is anything you hold more dear than the Lord, it will keep you from heaven. Remember Lord's wife. Lord is asking us tonight, put your house in order and don't let anything hold you back. Today is not about the person next to you. It's not about the person behind you. It's not about the person at work. It's not about anybody else. It's just you and Christ. Think about that. Today it's you and Christ. You can either face him right now where there is grace. Or you can wait when there is judgment. And for me, I'll take grace tonight. See, my prayer this season is that. That God will will reveal to me how he sees me. Really, that's been my prayer. And you can ask my wife. I've been praying to God. I'm like, God, reveal to me how you see me. Because there's no need for me to think that I'm doing well. And then go before God. And he says, no, this is not what I've seen. I've seen you as something different. It's it's different when people are praising you and telling you you are doing good. And they, they look at you and they're like, man, you got it all together. Only to go before God. And he says, no, that is not who I need in my life. See, Pastor Mark preaching said we need to go deeper, deeper cleansing. We need to be that cup that's washed on the inside, on just not just the outside. A life of a Christian, Christian should show fruits. James 1, 22, 24. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling God. You're not fooling the person next to you. You are fooling God. You're not, you're not fooling. You're only fooling yourself. You're not fooling God. You're not fooling the person next to you. You are fooling yourself. Yeah. 
For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at the mirror, glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. Russ? We don't want to be people who come here and hear these words. I honestly feel like we're going to be judged on what we've heard. We're going to be judged on what you've heard. You're going to go before God and it's like, Lord, I've never heard that. It's like, no, remember it was on this day that I spoke to you about this. What did you do? I ask you, is it worth holding on to those things you're holding on to? See, today God is putting a big mirror in front of you. To take a deeper look at your life and ask yourself, these things that I'm hiding, are they worth me holding? Are they worth me heading to hell and ever meeting and spending time with Christ? Is it worthy, brothers and sisters? Is it worthy to hold on to it? See, a great, a great price was paid for you. And today you get to choose. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able also to save the uttermost completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him. Since he's always living to make petition to God and to intercede with him and intervene for them. Let's close our eyes. So that's Christ. He's saying that he is always willing. He is able to save you from going to hell. And I give you that opportunity tonight. Really, if you haven't given your life to Christ, I'm going to ask you to come up so I can pray with you. The time might be too late. Ask God, where am I? How do you see me? Yeah, I might say that I'm saved. I might say that I got all these things together. But really, when you search me deep in my heart, what do you see? How do I look? If today was judgment day and I was standing next to you, the things I think about myself, would, I, would those be the same thing that you say about me, Lord? For the rest of us, really ask God to clearly search you. Man, we got some bad times coming ahead of us. Man, we got some shaking coming. And if you are really not planted, and if you are carrying any weight, and if you are holding on to anything that's not of God, that same thing you're holding on is going to lead you to hell. You will not overcome. This week I found myself praying and telling Lord, God, help me to be grounded. And Lord, I know there are some brothers and sisters out there, God, who, who are trying and they're not strong enough. Please give them a little bit longer so then they can burden themselves so they can endure. Those have been my prayers this week. And I pray that you can say that prayer because I feel like a window has been opened but it's going to be shut closed soon. And if we do not allow God to do and search us, we're going to perish. Because a price was paid that is so dear and so big for there to be a if. God did not spare his son. He would not spare anybody who doesn't follow him. He will give them exactly what they deserve if they don't accept Jesus Christ. Let that not be you tonight.
Mighty King of glory, I worship you, Father. I glorify your holy name, God. What a love you have for us, God. What a love you have for us, Lord. That Jesus, even after going through all those things on our behalf, you still intercede for us, Lord. How can we say we are not loved? How can we say that that's not the greatest love that we've seen, Lord? Oh, help us tonight, Lord, myself included, Jesus. Help us tonight, Lord, that these words don't just fall, Lord. That Jehovah God, they go deep and deep and deep in our heart, Lord. And prepare us, O King of glory, Father, to a, to a point, Father, that we can be righteous as you call us to be, Lord. I pray for your people tonight, God. I come again in destruction. I come again in noise, O Lord. I ask you that you may cover this word with your precious blood, Lord. That the enemy does not steal it, Lord. I thank you, Father, because you've let us know. We have no excuse, Lord. I pray that we may move in boldness and in confidence because that's who you've called us to be, Lord. Thank you for the victory that we already have, God. Thank you for the victory that you've already won for us, God. All we have to do is keep our eyes on you, Jesus. Dig deeper, King of glory, God. Seek you more, Lord. Seek you more, O King of glory, Father. And you will keep us and hide us under your wings, O God. We worship you and glorify your holy name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.